Hi, we're the Fancy Football Fanatics. My name is Duncan and this week I'm joined by Matt in Manchester and John in Tokyo. We don't have Ben on the pod this week because we have some good news. He's just um, had a delivery of a new baby boy. So congratulations to Ben. We wish you all the best and hopefully you can join us for a pod sometime soon um, once you get the baby to sleep. And get that baby up to speed. I'm ready to talk about fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully Ben's going to have a lot of time in the middle of the night for thinking about fantasy and planning his team. Um, I think, yeah. New new kids, I think, improved my FPL form in the short term because I was just up so often and there was nothing to do. And then, then it came crashing down as they start moving around a bit uh, and you don't have time to, to, to just endlessly listen to podcasts. So you're blaming your child for that, Matt? It's yeah, so my, my bad form is all <laughs> Evie's fault and nothing to do with my own inadequacies at football. Okay, that's good. A lovely message to start the show with. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, our, our, our listeners can follow Ben's progress as a father live on our league. Um, seeing how it, <laughs> it's, it's really just a good, good promotional yeah. spot there. So thanks. thanks yeah. Um, <laughs> John, have you got a football, you got a football moment for us this week? Uh, just um, so after a couple of weeks of captains blanking, I had Ronaldo the last two weeks. Um, decided I went with Salah this week. It was just a nice moment to see finally a captain pick go pretty well. So um, goal and the assist, but that that goal was is the moment I'd say because dancing around three defenders, cutting it back, calmly jinking it into the far post. It was, uh, I mean, beautiful, beautiful goal and good from a fantasy football team. Would you say it's better than the one against Man City or or maybe equal? I'd say not. It, it's it's close. Um, but it's, you know, consider the opposition. It was it was against it was against Watford rather than Man City's all-star defense. Um and it was it was more about tight spaces. Um started from a bit closer in. So I I'd I'd say the Man City one was a bit better, seeing uh Laporte and Diaz you know, on their backs, looking up at the goal going in was a bit more picturesque, but uh, but another great goal. And uh, I actually backed him this time, so it felt better. Yeah, it was a beautiful goal. He is, is it, he is the best player in the world now, right? Now Messi and Ronaldo have kind of, you know, like when, when old people leave the house that they lived in their entire life and <laughs> maybe they go to a home or something, it, you know, they kind of suddenly age a lot quicker. Maybe that's happened to Messi and Ronaldo now. I would. I, would, I was I wondering where you're going. To that. <laughs> where are we going with this? I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call their demise quite yet. I think they've got. They've got some life left in them. But on current form, yeah, it's hard to argue with Salah not being the best in the world at the moment. Um, from from the best in the world to not probably even close. My football moment this week is um, is from the the Brighton Norwich game. So I doubt you guys have watched it in as much detail as me, but tonight is Saturday night. We're recording early this week so we can um, get a time zone that works with John in Japan. And uh, I've got Saturday night to myself. My wife is out. I'm looking after our daughter and I'm sitting on the couch. She's asleep. Got my whiskey. I've got all the football highlights. I've had some leftover pizza. It's been an amazing night. And I started off with the highlights of Brighton and Norwich and 
I was love, loving the fact that it's a clean sheet for Brighton, Sanchez in goal for me. But Sanchez, at one moment, came out, made an absolute howler, missed the ball as the striker came through. Josh Sargent, big sideshow bob hair, ginger. He has an open goal in front of him and he goes for goal. And I swear, the shot for goal didn't have enough pace to actually cross the line. It was cleared off the line, but I swear, I swear if the defender hadn't kicked it, it would have just stopped in front of the goal. <laughs> it wasn't like a wet pitch or anything like that where the ball sticks. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely Norwich in a nutshell. And I mean, John, you're laughing, but you've got a Norwich striker up front, right? I, I, I do, but he's, you know, he's cheap. I have low expectations and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bring uh, Tony in for Pookie at some point. I'm just consoling myself that it's a temporary pick. Okay. I'm all right with that. Okay. I'm going to keep banging that drum for getting rid of Pookie for <laughs> you and Gary. Um, Matt, what's your football moment of the week? Um, I think it would be my experience of the Leicester Man U game. Um, so I, I didn't watch this live. I was I was getting updates on my phone as I um, took my little one to the park. Um, and I, I I checked my phone, seeing it was two all. Like, oh, yes, two all. Come on. Hope, man, you can push on for a winner here. Maybe even my, my man, Ronaldo, who's on my team, a uh, very expensive striker, is going to get a goal to, to get as the winner there. Um, then watch the little one go on the slide for a few minutes. Lovely moments. Really enjoying myself. I uh, thought, oh, I'll just check my phone to see what the final score was and uh, click on to see uh, 40 loss, at which point I swear in a children's park uh, and get told off by my wife um, for, <laughs> for having done so. Uh, and I come home and watch the goals and it's the usual uh, man you can't defend, uh, make ridiculous errors uh, and all round frustrating being a man you fan right now. I, I was just putting myself on mute because uh, my daughter is having a bad time upstairs and I might, might have to disappear. Um, shall I hand over to you guys to talk through your game week so far? John, do you want to go first with yours? Yeah, absolutely. Go deal with that, child. Um, all right, so <clears throat> uh, at this point while we're doing the podcast, I've got one, two, three players left to play. Uh, the Arsenal... Uh, game against Crystal Palace. I've got uh, Ramsdale in goal and White. Um, so hoping for a clean sheet there for both of them, get some more points in. And I've also got Antonio against Everton. Um, we'll see, tricky fixture, but could pick up some points there. So with those still to play, I've got, uh, I'm on 53 points, I think. Um, I actually went with, we discussed it last week in the podcast, and I actually followed through with the 5-2-3 formation. Yeah, very uh, so, impressed with that, John. Very impressed. <laughs> Backed up the big talk. <laughs> I did. I, I was the one that got passionate about it, but Andy was the one who actually brought it up and was the one who was making the initial point, and I saw that he didn't go with the 5-3-2. The I mean, it should go mentioned that, yeah, Andy wimped out on the 5-2-3 that you did Especially not. since he's not on this week's podcast, I think we should. <laughs> yeah. Go in hard on him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got I've got the big uh, I've got big four big hitters in defence, um, and then I've also got uh, White, the Arsenal Ben White, the Arsenal defender, as as my fifth one, and it's you know good fixture at least on paper this week. So I felt confident playing the back five. 
And he's done all right so far with Liverpool getting a clean sheet. I've got Robertson and Trent. So both of them getting clean sheets. I was also quite happy to see them getting subbed off on 61 minutes because although although the the game, Liverpool didn't concede in the game uh, at that point, I didn't know that. And I thought it's actually quite good risk diversification, right? Get get your clean sheet locked in. They've completed the 60 minutes required to to get that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So seeing them both go off, I was actually, you know, pleased with that. Uh, Locked in the six. I feel like Klopp's like nodding to FPL fans there by like timing it on just yeah, 60 minutes. Yeah, it, it, did. it did feel like that. It did feel like that. I nodded back. Like, yeah, he knew he'd be personally, he'd be really unpopular with the fans if he did it on 59 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So very considerate there from Jürgen. Um, so six points each for the Liverpool boys at the back. And then uh, Cancelo I brought in as a last minute. I took a four-point hit um, bringing him in for Rudiger because of Rudiger's, uh, I think it's a back injury, and I don't know how long he's going to be out for. But I, I felt assured that at home against Burnley, Man City had a, a pretty certain clean sheet, and so six-point minimum. So I thought, okay, I'll get six points probably for bringing Cancelo in uh, for Rudiger, and that's exactly what happened. What I didn't foresee was Diaz not playing 90 minutes. So only one point from him. And that's that's all that's really gone wrong with that uh, back five so far this week. We'll just have to see what happens with Arsenal, with the other two players. If they can get a clean sheet, I'll be having a good week. And uh, yeah, rest of my team, Captain Salah, as I mentioned. Great to see that, uh, that goal go in from him. He's been so consistent and it's it's it seems like locking him in as captain week in week out might be the way forward yeah he's um, looking so good isn't he but I mean I think everyone's captaining him so like certainly amongst us podders I think almost everyone did a captain Salah this week so yeah, it's not like we gain much uh, in the way of points on other people I guess it just no. punishes those that didn't stupidly captain Salah this week yeah I, I, I'm fine with that it's just that just after having a couple of weeks of no points I mean it, most people were on the were on the same um, train of either Ronaldo and Lukaku the last couple of weeks and not didn't get points for those choices. Even if you went with Antonio, you've not been doing well. So um, being on the same train with everyone else, but getting points still feels better from that perspective because at least it's points. And you, yeah, like you say, you don't want to be the one that the one that didn't. Yeah, and there'll be uh, some mavericks out there that didn't. That yeah, yeah, we'll we be. now go ahead of. We're none, we're, we're none of our uh, podders on the Maverick. We'll, we'll check that. We'll check that later. But I'm probably not. If anyone did, if anyone did, I'd guess Gary or Andy. No, I just checked Gary and Andy. I'm. They're both the biggest Mavericks, and they both went Salah. So it's definitely a week where you have to be some kind of crazy Maverick to go without him, right? Yeah, yeah. Smoothly handled with the with the child there, Duncan. I've got the child in one hand soothing and I'm podcasting (laughs) in the other. Um, No, what what actually happened is she, uh, she got herself back into bed herself. (laughs) Um, Matt, do you want to talk to us through your team? How's it gone this week? I'm I'm thinking possibly not well, because I know your strategy is the three big hitters, right? Yeah. So uh, where John's gone very bravely, the five, two, three, uh, and it has paid off dividends straight away. Um, with his two Liverpool guys getting his their clean sheets with 63 minutes each, uh, and Cancelo coming in as well. Uh, I 
I do not. I have Marcus Alonso, who I thought I'd keep for one more week instead of putting Cancelo in just to... I just I just thought I'm going to regret this so much if he plays and scores. Um, but it was Chilwell that played and scored, which was immensely frustrating. Uh, but yeah, other than having Salah as captain, uh, Lukaku and Ronaldo blanking, obviously my two very expensive big hitters up front, uh, has, has sort of put put my game week probably on the back burner. I mean, I've still got five left to play, so I, I could catch up. Uh, but the five I've got less to play... White, who many people got an Arsenal defender of some sorts. Uh, Reguillon, uh, who I got in after his three clean sheets and bonus points in a row, and since then has got me absolutely diddly squat, and I'm I'm going to be taking a hit to get him out uh, this game week. Uh, uh, Gallagher, Gray, and Antonio, still waiting to hear how they do, but they're the cheaper side of my team. So uh, overall, not looking so great, and I'd say uh, after these... This this game week, um, I'm falling further behind John at the moment, and uh, his strategy of big at the back versus my strategy of big hitters is certainly looking like big at the back is the better way to go at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at your team, and I'm wondering, you know, are players, because of those that triple up of Salah, Ronaldo and Lukaku, are players like Livramento kind of first-team players for you now? Or was that always the kind of plan for them to be first team? Uh, the plan was always Livermento to be either like first sub or first team. Uh, so I've got Rafinha on the bench this week. I was happy to just take take him having his rest after his Brazil exploits. But he scored two for Brazil. So he's still a really good, damn good player that next week I'll have him back in and probably go back to a 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, that said, I'm now... I now contemplate taking hits and maybe shipping out someone like Ronaldo for tricky fixtures uh, because he's, he's he's just not scoring at the moment. Um, and so maybe maybe uh, rather than trying to plough my different tactical path, uh, just just copy John, who whose his path is working. You're going to play five at the back, two in midfield, and three up front. <laughs> well, I'm not going to convinced in one, is, one week. I think that'd be quite a few hits to get to that point, but uh, I'm certainly <laughs> going to go a bit more uh, lurching towards uh, money in defence rather than uh, huge amounts of money in, up, up top on uh, failing big big hitters. So it's pretty it's pretty early on to be thinking about transfers, but it is Saturday night. But you've got Ronaldo's going, Reguillon's going. Who are you thinking of bringing in? Uh, well, hang on. So, well, hang on. Yeah, Alonso also has to go. So, oh, I do have a yeah, conundrum: okay. which of the many uh, players in my squad don't don't, don't currently work? Um, but I think Cancelo's price goes up tonight. So, uh, I'm going to do Alonso out for Cancelo, and then I might take a few days to think about whether well, Reguilón could could score and assist and get a clean sheet against Newcastle. Who knows? Uh, uh, certainly, the form wouldn't point towards that, but uh, but who knows, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know, right? I could be safe. So, who might come out out front for Ronaldo then? Uh, well, at the moment, I would be thinking of cashing in on Ronaldo with a much cheaper striker coming in. Uh, well, hang on. Uh, there's two two schools of thought. So, one thought is much cheaper striker. Uh, like a Ivan Tony, uh, who's got a good run of fixtures. Uh, I mentioned Huang last week. Um, I, he didn't do anything today, but 
but still maybe attempting one. Um, or I could go for uh, the man who's just killed Man U, uh, Jamie Vardy, who's a bit cheaper, give me a couple of million to play with uh, for Ronaldo, but seems to be really banging it in every week at the moment. And maybe they're back on form now as a team, having you know put Man United to the sword. Yeah, but even when they weren't on form, he just seems to be scoring yeah. week to week. He seems yeah. to be um, the the asset that no one has, but is actually maybe really good in FBL. I just I just don't think you can captain him. Does he have decent fixtures? I don't feel like anyone's talking about their fixtures being great. Well, yeah, but then if everyone's captioning Salah every week because he's the best yeah, player in the true, world, uh, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got Leeds coming up, Leicester in a couple, uh, two or three weeks, uh, Watford in, uh, you know, five weeks, but it's still within the next five weeks. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Vardy's, yeah. I think he's the second highest point score in the game at the moment. Uh, and very few people have him. So yeah. I'm I'm tempted. No, I think that's a really interesting shout. Yeah. Um, for me this week, uh, Matt has just informed me, not out of choice, but out of um, players not turning up and players coming from a bench. I'm also playing a five-two-three. So the title of our last podcast is apt because um, I was against it, but you know the algorithm has produced the same formation. Maybe it's a sign. Maybe this is the way forward. Um, <laughs> I uh, I was dilly dallying over transfers this week. I waited till fairly last minute. Uh, my plan was to get rid of Dennis uh, for Watford and bring in Jimenez, which I could have done for exact money. But I think on Friday night or Thursday night, just randomly without the prediction sites predicting it, Dennis's price, is, price dropped. So instead, I, I took out Alonso for Cancelo. I was going to do what you did, Matt. I was going to give Alonso one more week and the chance of coming back. Um, yeah, I, I decided Cancelo, like like John said, it seems like a six point kind of banker, and yeah, I like their defense. Their defense is so much, so far ahead of even the second best stats um, for defensive numbers this season. You know, they're putting everyone to shame. So I think I need to get in there with one of them. And I got very lucky that it, it turned out to be the one who was actually playing this week out of him and Diaz. Um, I did not see Diaz's benching come coming up at all. Um, yeah, so that was good. I also got very lucky. Christensen was the only Chelsea to play, a big Chelsea defender to actually play. Um, not sure I can rely on him in future, but when you've got Livermento coming off your bench for six points... Um, I don't really care. It's pretty yeah. awesome for that. Isn't you're, top, it? you're top of the podders, and everything you talk about is oh, I did. I didn't want to do this, but I did it, and it worked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, it's lucky this week with Christensen and Cancelo not being dropped, but Diaz being dropped. I think I did have Rafinha not playing and Jota not playing, so Dennis will come off my bench. Sars still in my team. I say still. I only brought him in recently, but I'm thinking it was a big error. Although some people were saying that he played out of position up front um, for Ranieri in his first game. So maybe I keep him until the Southampton game or maybe he could do something against Everton. We'll, we'll have to see because he is a talented player. Um, apart from that, Salah captaincy. Um, yeah. I mean, you say I'm top. I'm top at the moment, Matt, but I think most of my players have played pretty much. Whereas 
quite a few people in our little pod Potters League have players yet to play. So my final score of um, 60 odd, 63, four, something like that. It's not massive. So, but yeah, decent game week, no mistakes. And I just, you can't be unhappy when you make a transfer, when someone doesn't play and the player you brings in gets six points. I think that's, it's not incredible, but it's, I'm happy with that. So I've kind of mentioned it already when I was asking Matt about Livermento, but our first topic is uh, Southampton have some good fixtures coming up. I think over the next 10 game weeks, I think they're number three on the fixture difficulty rate rating for fancy football scout. And in their last five games, they've kept three clean sheets. So should a player like Livermento be starting in our teams? Um, or should he just be the perfect first sub this season? What do you reckon, John? I think if you've got him, it's the right time to to play him. He, uh, Southampton, you know, they they they're a good sort of well balanced team, but they're they're sensible enough that um, the defenders have got cover. Romelu uh, is, uh, you know, a solid defensive midfielder providing cover for them. How do we pronounce that? I keep on calling him Romelu, but I think I'm getting confused with Lukaku. Matt, can you give I think us a Romelu? Matt, so, yeah, Matt. Romelu. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> that sounds like you fudged yeah. the ending. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I made myself pretty clear on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay, over to you, John. Um, yeah, I think I think that uh, you shouldn't be put off by his price point, right? He's a, he's been a, he's been a good pick so far, and this is the right time to um, really g- get the most out of him. I mean, it's, like you said, it's a good fixture point. Um, I actually wanted, I'd been planning to bring in Ward Prowse for this for this run of fixtures um, because he was a decent shot even last season, but um, he's on penalties, I believe, this season. And yeah, so, is. given the right run of fixtures, could be an excellent shot in midfield. The structure I've, that I've got, that I've talked about before, allows me to have two 6.5 million midfielders. So he's right in that price range of people I can easily bring in. But he's uh, unfortunately at the the worst time when Southampton have got this run of fixtures, he's suspended. And uh, so that messed up my plans. Um, but but I think yeah, if you've got Livermento or if there's anyone else that you fancy at Southampton, now's the time to bring him in. I've got Burnley, Watford and Norwich in the next four. And even the other one of those games is Aston Villa at home. I know Aston Villa are a good team, but it's a home game. So that's not bad, is it? Burnley, Watford, Norwich. I mean, they're the worst three teams that I know of in in the league this season, right? Maybe Leeds in there as well. I think it is. I mean, just looking at their squad at the moment... It's pretty much only Livermento though that you really want from Southampton. I mean, a Ward Prowse because it's the match value you, you can't go for. Uh, like I think people have been burned by Redmond in the past. Never usually a very consistent player. Uh, Adam Armstrong's been on that's interested people, but he's on a bit of a balance spell, isn't he? He didn't even play this game week. I don't know what happened to him. Um, I can't imagine he did a lot of travelling over the international break. I don't even know if he played to be honest. Ooh. So yeah, and then what? You're gonna go for Broja or no, no, that's, Ella that's Lucy? Gonna, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Seems highly risky. So I think yeah, I think Livermento definitely for the next for the run, 
whilst they remain on form, Southampton, um, I will be trying to get in on my team um, and trying to ignore his price because usually that price point just plays in the back of your mind. That like, like, oh, he's my cheap guy, so I've got to play uh, like Antonio or Gray instead of him. Um, so you're saying but, drop Antonio and Gray and play Livermento. That's what you're saying here. <laughs> I'm saying that you've got to just try and be blind to the prices of players uh, and play the player who's on best form and got the best fixture. And Livermento, despite being 4.2 million, is is I think at the moment worth a lot more than that. I he, you know what? He's got attacking potential as well. He won the penalty last week, didn't he? And He's looked, especially in the first few games, looks really like a kind of flying wing back. So, yeah, I, I think I think play him if you can. And also Duffy, who's his kind of competitor at that price. I think has Duffy gone up to four point three, or he's around the same price. But Lamptey's now back in the game against Norwich. He got eighteen minutes or something like that, and that means that Veltman might take Duffy's centre back slot. So maybe maybe Livermento becomes you know the best starting four point original uh, defender and the one that you want to have before he gets to four point five. Um, yeah, these these the, I mean these next three fixtures will will answer that question for sure. But I would say, yeah, I would say the it, it, every indication is that that it'll be a good outcome. So. This kind of links to our next topic, but I feel like Livermento is the perfect player as your first sub. And then the fact that Chelsea just rotates so much, but they have an amazing defence, means that you can buy a Christensen, you can buy a, you know, a Chilwell or whatever, James. And if they don't play, then you'd hope they don't get any minutes at all and Livermento comes off your bench because they've both got great fixtures and the Chelsea players have a much higher ceiling. But Chelsea rotation, it's a bit of an issue, isn't it, guys? What what do you think about um, Chelsea players at the moment? Uh, the, the, the bigger question with the, the method you just mentioned is... Um, it it would require putting the some you know whoever it is Chelsea defender ahead of Livermento, hoping that Livermento comes off the bench. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Um, the the problem there is you know they could come off the bench and play ten minutes. I think that's that's the case. Like with James came on and played a few minutes this game, but I think with Christensen, I don't feel like he's going to come on and get you know a couple of minutes at the end. Um, He's not your typical super sub, but um, but if they're going on, uh, if they're holding on to a narrow lead, that's when I, I don't know if that's something that I mean, we, this, this we season typically see from Tuchel, but, that's the, but tactically that's, that wouldn't be unusual. This season he's either done 90 minutes or he's done zero minutes. He's never, he's never done a, you know, a 10 minute or a 20 minutes just to shore it up at the end. I think it's either him or Silver and that's kind of, they're the central centre back in the back three and doesn't seem like anyone else can play that position for Tuchel at the moment. So I I think maybe maybe it works. Maybe I'm thinking of that strategy because I'm thinking of Christensen rather than, you know, any of the other Chelsea defenders. I guess it works for the next few game weeks, uh, because if you've got two Chelsea players, uh, then you're pretty much guaranteed that one of them's going to be rotated, uh, and therefore your your first sub, Livermento. Yeah. You don't have to care uh, that he's not in your first team coming the start of the game week because you know he's going to play somehow. 
he's going to get subbed in. Um, mm. But but there's always that risk that both the Chelsea players play. And, and, and for the next few fixtures, you definitely would want your Chelsea man instead of Livermento. But a couple of game weeks' time, uh, was it game week uh, 12, Chelsea are away at Leicester and Southampton are away at Norwich. So who would you go? Would you would you really drop Livermento instead of a, for a Chelsea player? Yeah, that's picture? true. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Chelsea, I mean, they looked seriously under the cosh against Brentford. Brentford were throwing everything at them towards the end of the game, but still kind of held out. So even against a good, well, a historically good attacking team like Leicester, you'd still play your premium defenders, surely. Maybe you'd play a back five in that scenario, like John, John's been advocating for. Oh, God, you know, it's, it's your problems. <laughs> I don't know why you keep resisting. Duncan, you're not doing very good at this cause of like resisting this 5-2-3 thing. You're, you're now us, saying Matt. play five at the back and you're playing us. five at the front. <laughs> <laughs> what about elsewhere in the team? We've got, uh, so this week, I think they played Saar for the first time as a uh, centre-back. There was um, Christensen and uh, Chalaber, so a back three they've never seen before. Mount was supposed to be guaranteed starter because he was such a good link up with Lukaku, and there was no sign of him, no Havertz. Yeah. I mean, the well, if, midfield um, three are changing every game. We don't know how long Rudiger's out for, do we? If if he's out for any sus- uh, sustained period, does that mean Chalaber's a, a guaranteed starter? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so because Rudiger plays left side of the back three, whereas Chalaber plays right side of the back three. I think um, I think it's good to ask whether Rudiger is back soon. I think the Germany coach said it was a slight back injury, so it doesn't sound like the kind of thing that's going to, you know, rule you out for a long time. But I think Aspilicueta seems a pretty safe player if there is such a thing because. Yeah, even though he didn't fit into the back three, he was moved to wing back, right? Yeah, yeah, no, he, he yeah. seems like the more sensible option. But with Chal- Chalaba's price point, it's uh, it's tempting. Another option at five million with the Livramento backup. Um, Matt, as the king of big hitters, is is Lukaku living up to? his kind of hype before the season. He had two seasons, got 64 goals in Italy and everyone was saying, oh, he's changed. He's, he's become as good as Harry Kane. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's not hard now, but um, maybe as Harry Kane was last season, was that all just because he was in a lesser league and, and actually it's a bit harder in the Premier League? Well, I mean, this is the big conundrum I've got to contend with at the moment. So in all previous seasons, yeah, your big hitters, week in, week out, will return you the points. Uh, and and Lukaku certainly seems like the most guaranteed starter and the focal point of the Chelsea attack. And Chelsea, you'd think, are one of the strongest teams in the league, on, on for the league title, potentially. Uh, and so he'd be a great choice. And he started those first three uh, weeks. Uh, with, we got three goals in those first three game weeks. But since then, blank, 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 blank. Uh, so... Not, not yet, but but with such a nice fixture run, uh, I think you'd be you'd be quite gutsy uh, to to drop him right now if you if you already have him. But certainly if you don't, then you're you're laughing, right? You're you're 
everyone else is committing all these funds to do you the keep laughing though do you keep laughing or do, or do you because they've got norwich next um and then they've got newcastle and then they've got burnley i mean i th- i feel like you're laughing at the moment but i don't feel like safe to because well, you know ronaldo's good or okay fixtures seem to have gone now why would you not move to lukaku i mean you guys don't do you do either of you have lukaku not yet uh, not yet, uh, I, not yet. I, I i do i brought him in for ronaldo this week okay because i was going to say like uh well i don't know how how, how do you feel duncan because i mean i thought previously uh anyone who didn't have lukaku two game idiot. weeks ago uh was going to think oh god i've got to, i've got to take hits in to get him in quick because he's he's scoring he's got a great fixture run coming up his price is probably increasing but but none of that is happening right now uh he's he's not scoring uh and you you can even contemplate that gamble of not going for those fixtures and not taking reworking your team to get him in because because you can focus on other other things because i mean he's 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 not exactly explosive at the moment is he so how I feel not owning him up to this point um, is incredibly lucky, pretty much. I think the games are the highlights I've seen him. He's hit the post. He's had goals ruled off for offside multiple times. He's had you know, multiple chances where it's just narrowly missed or people have narrowly missed the pass to him. I think yeah. that I've got away with, not murder, but I think I've got away with it a lot more than... Uh, I expected to, and I think I I can't imagine that sustaining against Norwich, Newcastle, and Burnley. I, I and also I was keeping Ronaldo because I thought he could maybe match him or or at least make it less of an issue. But um, now Ronaldo has <laughs> he's matching him. Yeah, I mean now who who's Ronaldo playing in the next game week? Uh, uh, Liverpool. Liverpool at home. So. And then Tottenham away and then Man City and then Chelsea coming up on the horizon as well. So I just feel like, yeah, he's definitely coming in next week. Whatever happens, whatever injuries, I'm going to bring him in for sure. He's, he might not be my captain because Salah is playing Man United and they their defence is pretty pants. Yeah. And Salah's just absolutely on fire, isn't he? But uh, he could definitely be a good vice, even a differential captain this week. How weird would that be? I, I think when we look back on Lukaku at the end of the season, we'll say he had a good season. Um, but I don't know that he's going to set the, the league alight enough uh, to warrant, you know, the real premium price point. The, the, the thing that concerned me even before this run of games was that I don't think he's on penalties. And when you got your, you know, really top 12 million-ish type premium players, you want them to have everything. And... Uh, the offset of that, obviously, as Matt said, is in being the real focal point in theory of their attack. So I, I, I think you know he's gonna he's gonna get two hundred points plus in the season, uh, but but playing him will be about fixtures and timing. Now it's not been it's not been paying off, but I'm just gonna stick by that assessment. I'm gonna keep him for this run of fixtures, um, but I'm probably not gonna have him again in my team after that. I think your your point about Vardy earlier, Matt, is a good one as a. Yeah, alternative. He's like he's on pens, like John says. He's scoring whether Leicester are playing badly or well, and it doesn't really often matter to Vardy whether he plays a big team or a small team. So, yeah, yeah. And I chuck another one at you. I mean, Son 
Indians as well. Like, um, is what you can do with the money that Lukaku costs at the moment. I I'd think... say those other assets are, are far more potent. There were, uh, there were, even Son, if, I think even Son if it is the... fixtures. Yeah, I think John, you go. I, I think I think Son is the exact comparison point for Lukaku because because Son is um, also not on penalties, but also in every other regard should be a premium player. But Son's priced very differently, and so I see. I you know Son will probably have a good season. Lukaku will probably have a good season. But but from a fantasy football point of view, I think Son's the better investment. There, there are rumours going around before the deadline that Son is one of the two Tottenham players that has COVID. So I should just say that because we're recording early and people may already know this when they listen. Um, but he may not be, he may be quarantined or he, he may not be playing next week. We'll have to see. I think we know that it's probably Sergio Aguillon, right? Because he's in my team. <laughs> it's him and Son, but no one's bothered to leak the Regulian news because <laughs> no one cares. Uh, okay, so it sounds like Vardy is a potential opportunity for people who are feeling, I would say, fairly maverick. But um, maybe if if someone... Like you, Matt, it makes more sense. You've got Lukaku and Vardy. Rather, you know, hedge your bets a little bit rather than one or the other. But we'll have to see. Um, yeah. Next up, there are three teams that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, so first is Leeds. Um, what the hell is happening? Um, I mean, they they drew nil or not. They didn't drew. They didn't score any goals against Southampton. Southampton's got their first one of the season against Leeds, and Leeds had their first shot in the forty fifth minute. I mean, they're a different team, right? Well, their best two attackers, Rafinha and Bamford, didn't play. But I think more than that, I think it is certainly true that last season they were the surprise package. People couldn't work out how to deal with their man-for-man, Bielsa, crazy system that led to goals. And this season, it, it, it feels like they've just been worked out a little bit more. Um, they're not a surprise, and therefore people know, well, we'll just stop that Rafinha bloke uh, and, and, and Bamford, and then we're, we're sorted. So I, I can see them struggling quite a lot this season. I don't think they're going down or anything, but I just, I just don't think that their assets are going to be quite as exciting. Uh, that said, I've got Rafinha, and he still seems to be just about justifying his price tag at the moment, doesn't he? Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely justifying his price tag. But I think they're not being helped by the defensive injuries. I think they didn't have a great defence even with their first team defence. But you know, ailing out, Lorente spent a long time out. Um, uh, Robin Cox injured at the moment. There are other players in and out. They're kind of changing the back four every week. And it's not brilliant quality in the first place. So I think that's a big factor. But I think Bamford is a huge miss. And clearly there's no replacement. Like Rodrigo has not been the signing I think they hoped it was going to be. And I feel like they should have added more higher quality signings this season because they were on a high. You know, they could have really attracted players. Yeah, and I'm going to go opposite prediction to to Matt. I don't think they're going to struggle this season. I I think that they're going to. Um, I think they're in a bad period of form, 
And I think that them getting trounced by Man United, was that, was that game week one? It was right at the beginning of the season. It was game um, one. I think it might have affected them a bit mentally and maybe they didn't have the best pre-season and they're sort of getting warmed up. Then these injuries we talked about. Bamford and Rafinha, I think, are going to have good seasons. And I think that they, you know, those those big players will help Leeds overall come back and have a, a positive, uh, yeah, positive comeback to the season. And I think they'll still fin- they'll still end up finishing strongly. That's the problem. That's the problem is though that this period at the moment is the middle of their good fixture run, but yeah, they're, they're missing their key players. They've got real problems in defence, and when all those players come back, it may switch, and they have. Chelsea away, Man City away, Arsenal, Liverpool. <clears throat> it gets a lot tougher. So I don't know. I, I feel like if they're struggling at Christmas, they they may they may be a lot lower down the league than they were last season. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Yeah. In fantasy terms, there's only two players that you contemplate, I think, from Leeds at the moment, which which is Rafinha and Bamford, because you think even if the team's not winning, they'll still be getting some points right now, but I think what we're talking about, about injuries, are they a good run, then a bad run? It could be the second half of the season before they really start to put much much of a run together. Uh, I, I'd even question whether Rafinha is such a good asset without Bamford in the team. I know he's he's been doing all right without him, but I think Bamford's injury could have a big part to play on whether Rafinha delivers over the next few fixtures. Is he badly injured, uh, Bamford? He's well on the site. It's an unknown return date, and it's an ankle injury. And we all know how tricky ankle injuries can be. And Bielsa was fairly evasive and said he could get no proper diagnosis or dates for his return. So it's all a bit of a mystery at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would like to point. I would like to point out just just in terms of that, like how Leeds are going to end up over the season. I watched the full ninety minutes of their game against Man U, uh, where Man U got a very, you know, big res- a big win against them. Um, Man U were excellent that day. They were really clinical that day. Um, you know, brutal in some ways. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb though and say I don't think Leeds played that badly. And they were they were pressing well. Their work rate was good. They uh, they could have they could have got more goals themselves. It's I I I just think it might have that game. Like I say, might have affected them mentally with the way it went. You know, if you if you if you go out to do your game plan, you don't necessarily do anything. I'm not going to say they did nothing wrong, but if you but you kind of get punished in ways that you didn't fully deserve. That it just set their season off badly. They then got followed up with these injuries. I, I just think that it's, they're just simply on a bad run that won't last. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of very. I hope you're right because Rafinha's in my team, and I'd like to have Bamford, but we'll we'll have to see. Injuries kind of dependent. Um, next up is the segment that me and John have been waiting for. We're outnumbering the Man U fans on the pod. <laughs> For one of those few occasions. So Matt, let's talk Man United. Is it all over? Should we get rid of all our FPL assets? Should we burn our Man United shirts? Should we tear up our season tickets? Who the hell are they anymore? Why do you bother? Uh, well, yeah, you've summed it up there. <laughs> uh, so you want me to rage about Man United? I want you to cry. I want you to cry. <laughs> uh, 
so I think we we've talked about it before, um, maybe 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 a bit off air as well, about the Ronaldo transfer in the round and how I think uh, both myself and several Man U fans, uh, whilst excited to have the returning uh, sort of legend um, of the club, it it doesn't necessarily make make sense for our team, uh, and that I think is coming home to roost a little bit, where we had a very exciting attack with plenty of depth what we clearly needed was to spend a bit of money in centre midfield in the holding role uh, and and instead we spent all our money on Ronaldo who will score goals this season but he's now not looking like he's going to bully opposition which is what I was hoping initially Uh, and so without that happening suddenly we've got a team that looks a bit disjointed because suddenly we're, we're attack that doesn't press hard because because that's not what I was going to be doing these days. Um, uh, we've got lots of attacking assets, but we just keep doing clangers at the back to give away goals galore. And and Oli, everyone has been questioning that he's, he's obviously over the last few years got the club in a much better, more balanced place, but but no one really believes he's as good as Guardiola or Klopp or or has that tactical acumen. And so are, are we, I don't know, part of me is thinking we're seeing the the end of the Oli era, but at the beginning of that, because he's got quite a lot of goodwill of the club. So we could be on a run of about 10 to 15 games where we, we disappoint until we finally reach breaking point is my current current feelings on Man United at the moment. Do you think this would of, be about the, the third or fourth time, though, that you would have come close to that breaking point with, with Oli. And I, maybe that goodwill is already... You know, that's why he's already managed to stay in the job previously, because there were times he, you know, he must have come close. Um, so, so you know, it might see him through again. Maybe they have a bad run and maybe they'll just pick up the form just in time. I think the Ronaldo factor is, makes it slightly different this time because there's a time limit on how long he can be in the Man U first team at his age, I would say. And but, Yeah. I think the one, the one thing that... It racks it up as well, the pressure on Oli, because because now we've spent so big, uh, not just Ronaldo, but Sancho as well. You're thinking, oh, we've got a challenge. We've got to win a trophy this year. And if we if we start bombing out the Champions League and we completely lose, lose sight of the top of the Premier League, then um, I think the Glazers might conclude that it's just not going to happen. Um, that said, uh, our management has no strategic planning whatsoever. And so I don't think they've lined up another manager or even know how to line up another top top world-class manager. So what might save them is the fact that we have no no idea who else to appoint. Conte, maybe. He's the only name that I can think of who's available. Yeah, I think that's the the obvious one and so the one we might, might choose to go to. But I, I, I'm inclined to think that our leadership uh, haven't thought to pick up the phone to speak to Conte or work out if he'd want the job or not or any of that jazz. Fair enough. And for the moment, do we drop all Man U FPL players, Matt? Uh, I, I certainly don't think Ronaldo's worth it at the moment. Like his, his price tag is simply too high, especially for the fixtures coming up, um, to, to, to be getting those points in. That said, people like Greenwood scored an absolute banger today, and I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, he might continue that form throughout and, um, and be, be pretty good value for money. Uh, certainly their defence is what uh, it was last year where it looks quite good, especially on paper, but 
it just every single game has an error in it. And so we'll concede one goal at least every single game. So you never pick up the clean sheets. So players like Shaw, I don't think are worth it at all. Um, so, yeah, all in all, not a particularly positive uh, outlook for myself at the moment. It always feels that way off the back of a loss, though, doesn't it? It well, does. It does. If we beat Liverpool next week, then suddenly you'll hear a very different suddenly, yeah. uh, version of events. But that's yeah. not going to happen based on the fact. I, <laughs> I, I wonder in the the more attacking players that you mentioned a little bit. Yeah, Greenwood does look like he might be good value, but in general, I just can't believe the amazing options Manu have got on paper going forward. So when you've got you know Fernandez and Pogba. Uh, alongside people like Greenwood, Ronaldo, you know, Rashford's out injured at the moment. Oh, he's back. No, he came back. Back and scored. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. That's right. He's back already. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so many like fantastic options. Do they almost um, literally and figuratively get in each other's way? So like on a fantasy football point of view, what um you know like you don't not only do you not know who to back but even if even if a player is playing and has a good game week they just they just might not be the one to to finish off a move and get the points i think i think the issue is supplying ronaldo if ronaldo starts a player like greenwood is not the right man to supply him with goals and mm. sancho might potentially be but he's off form he, you know hasn't started as they hoped he would i think Fernandez and Pogba are going to play beautiful balls over the top. And yeah, they can drift wide and sometimes play wide in the formation that Oli sets up. But I think primarily it's the players either side of Ronaldo who who are going to supply him and, and aren't at the moment, aren't the right players for that. Yeah. I mean, so in previous seasons, uh, or previous season, uh, we got into a, a, a way of playing and there was a format to our, our play that, Essentially, Fernandez had free license to do anything he liked, but that kind of worked because he's capable of amazing uh, through balls and, and worldy goals. Uh, and then we just had a bunch of really quick runners and people like Rashford and Martial and, and Greenwood coming through. So we sort of, you could say, oh, well, we're really good on the counter-attack. Uh, we've got a player who's capable of anything and he's given the ball as much as possible and that will work. And now it's like, well, Fernandez isn't the star, we've got to give the ball to this other bloke over here. Uh, and we're not quite sure how it, to make it all click. But that's not to say that Pogba, Fernandez, and Ronaldo can't click. So maybe it'll work in time. But certainly at the moment, it looks very... Well, it's just, it's just not... Yeah, it looks great on paper, but just in practice, we just don't look the level of threat you'd hope we would be up going forward. For the next six fixtures, it's Liverpool at home... Tottenham away, Man City at home, Watford away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. So I, I would even say, you know, sack off Greenwood. I'd say get rid of any Man U players for the next six. Burnham. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Matt. Um, joy. 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 The next, next and kind of final team to talk about is Brentford. So I don't know if you guys saw the second half against Chelsea but I just thought even though they lost the game I just thought they just laid siege to Chelsea at certain points during that match and hit the post twice I think um, um, it's not on Buemo it's um, Buembo no oh god <laughs> Matt help think, me yeah, I think you had a pretty good first time in Buemo 
No, that's what I'm still calling him. I think he came out on Sky and he said it's on Bomo. On Bomo? Anyway. On Bemiumo. Pronounce every syllable. Um, Yeah. So just call him Brian. Brian. Brian hit the post twice. I think Tony looked pretty, pretty threatening. So I I was wondering about the Brentford double up when um, attacking double up when their fixtures turn. I mean, John, you say Pookie's gonna gonna be dropped soon, and I'm very much in support of that. But and Tony's probably coming in. But I mean, is it next week because they play Leicester? Leicester are still conceding goals. After that, it's Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. So that's that's pretty tasty. Um, it's as soon as I can do it, but I'm managing transfers. So uh, when when they're at that price point, it's never the priority transfer I have to make. I, I, I've got a little bit more faith in Pookie than you do, um, but I also don't I also don't expect too much from him. Um, so I'm not too disappointed when when they don't deliver. It's um, it's so so I don't think that it's not the time yet. I just think I, I think I would do it, but it's just has it's about when it's it's the priority in a given week. What do you reckon to the double up, Matt? Um, I think it's either or right now, uh, personally. Just what because they have. The, what about when the fixtures turn? Well, it depends how you. Yeah, it depends how you play FPL a little bit. So you're right. If you play in the fixtures, then I mean Brentford look pretty decent and and go for, go for both. They're pretty de- decent prices. But what I usually play is a bit more looking at the form as well and. And Bremo's scored two goals. How many has Tony scored? Um, Not that two, many. Two goals all season as well. And he's got two assists as well. So it's not not a bad run, but they're not. it's not like they're making themselves indispensable as two players just yet. Uh, and so maybe I'd, I'd be a bit more cautious and wait to see them really perform. And so the question for, for me is, which one of those would you go for first? Is it Tony or Bremo? I think you can pick whichever one fits into your team. Like John says, you kind of we're all managing our transfers and looking at priorities. It's normally about who you have to drop rather than who you definitely want to bring in. For me, I've got Saar, whose fixtures are pretty terrible. Um, you know, one one good fixture in the next however many. So maybe Embuemo makes more sense um rather than Tony, but yeah, I mean, I've got Dennis up front, so I could, I could bring in both and be quite happy, I think. Yeah. At least you could watch all the Brentford games, which seem to be the exciting games to watch, knowing that if Brentford score, you've got a pretty decent chance of celebrating. Yeah, it's definitely a enjoyment factor in, in watching games, because Brentford are like the good guys, aren't they, this season? Yeah, it does feel like that. The plucky underdogs. Yeah, yeah. With that money ball gate, uh, sort of ownership. Yeah. You know, Palace have also got some decent fixtures coming up and uh, Gallagher's a- a- attempting, you know, budget alternative in midfield as well. They've got some great fixtures. Newcastle at home, Wolves at home, Burnley away, Leeds away. I mean, that's it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Attacking Stay off wise. Gallagher. He's my man. It's my only differential <laughs> that you guys don't have. <laughs> Is there anyone else from Palace that you're interested in? John, uh, I've always been a big fan of uh, Zaha. I haven't really figured out um, Palace's tactics under uh, Vieira. L- last season, Palace were mostly playing sort of a four-four-two with Zaha one of the um, one of the two, 
And so he, he was extra, you know, really good value for that reason that he was playing out of position as well as just being, you know, just their best player. Um, so I'm still tempted by him, but just not not sure that he's going to get the same kind of uh, points I layout. Think still, I think he's still playing up front this season with Edward or Benteke, whichever one it is. It seems, yeah, it, it seems like in the little bits that I've watched that he was coming from a bit deeper, but yeah, but maybe, maybe he still is um, up, up front, but it's more of a, but with someone like Benteke, yeah. it's more of like a, a target man that, uh, you know, c- controlling it, waiting for others to get involved. Whereas last season when they had, um, what's his name? The, 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 the man on loan from Chelsea, the French forward that played next to him. Oh, um, yeah, that yeah, neither of them was more of that hold up player, so they both had to be involved in in the build up to all of their attacks, and it just it felt more of an equal partnership. Yeah, and Zaha was also on uh, penalties, I think, most of the time. I'm not, not yeah. So there's this this things I'm I still not sure about with them, more unknowns, but um, but tempting. I think. Um... And this maybe comes into your, your our next topic, which is about goalkeepers. But I think, um, what's your man, Gaita? You know, for a long time, he's been a 5 million goalkeeper. And this season, suddenly, he, he's dropped down to 4.5. But I think he's the kind of goalkeeper who's potentially can rack up the clean sheets and the save points. You know, I think Crystal Palace have looked okay defensively. They've surprised a few people. Um, and I think Greiter might get a nice balance of some clean sheets, some games where he's going to get peppered, but he's a decent enough goalkeeper to get the save points, and he's 4.5. Um, I'm not sure about the rest of the defence. I don't see a lot of other ways they can score points apart from clean sheets and bonus points, but there's not a lot of goal threat, I don't think, in there, yeah. even even from you know a set piece. He'll... he'll uh... Uh, Guaita, Guaita, the, the goalkeeper will probably come in for me if, for some reason, Ramsey turns out to not be a guaranteed starter. Ramsey? I'm Ramsdale. sorry, Ramsdale. Ramsdale. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But maybe, maybe we can go. We can kind of cross topics um, from Brentford, which yeah. <laughs> changed into Palace, and talk about goalkeepers because, yeah. for me. John, your question to us in your kind of... Uh, as I'm still a re- yeah, I'm still a relative newbie. This is a, it's, 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 a, it's a basic question, but I just can't figure out how to uh, pick a goalkeeper that's... You know, it's not it's not a position where I want to be transferring in and out regularly at that, at that price point. I'd like to just, you know, set and forget, uh, ideally. At the moment, I've got Ramsdale and it's doing fairly well, but it's more luck than judgment. I can't really say I know how to go about picking a goalkeeper. I would say the the examples from the last two seasons who are goalkeepers who started around 4.5, I think, was Pope a couple of seasons ago. And then last season, it was Martinez. And I think the feature of those defences was that they conceded shots, but the shots they conceded weren't big chances. They were more like half chances or outside of the box. So there's a lot of opportunity for save points. Every three saves a goalkeeper gets an extra point essentially so if even if you 
uh, lose your clean sheet, but you rack up, you know, nine saves, you get an extra three points. So it's pretty decent. So you want you want a combination of uh, a team that doesn't always lose its clean sheet, but still concede shots so they can get those save points. But at the same time, you also want a defence like Aston Villa's was and like Burnley's especially was, where the defenders don't often get bonus points. They're more like defenders who just kick it long and don't often get a huge amount of attacking returns. And I think yeah. that's why Palace uh, kind of fit that bill for me this season. Do you think that's fair, Matt? Yes, I think the the secret, well, I mean, the secret, if you can call it a secret, is to try and you want to save money, don't you, on your goalkeeper? Because it's not a, a big position. Um, and usually come the end of the season, like the spread isn't isn't massive on the number of points that the players, that the goalkeepers get. So you want to try and find that four and a half, well, starting at four and a half, it'll, it'll probably rise up uh, a little bit in price type keeper that that is, is doing what Duncan says, just getting those clean sheets, uh, no, sorry, getting those save points and when he gets a clean sheet, he's racking up those bonus points as well. Um, and usually there's there's a few that, that do that. Uh, I think the unusual start to this season is that Mendy for Chelsea is both an expensive keeper, keeping the clean sheets and having save points. So he's, he's one that's tempting people, especially because he's like the, well, the best way to get a guaranteed starter for Chelsea at the moment. So he's so, a tempter. Uh, okay. So I get I, I get what you guys are saying. But other than looking at what's happened so far and saying, okay, so far, such and such a player has, such and such a goalkeeper has been conceding shots but still getting clean sheets. Okay, the clean sheets part is easier to understand. The conceding shots that they save, tactically, or however you look at it, how do you predict that other than saying, saying that it just recently happened? Is there a way to do that? Like, is there a certain formation or a certain setup with defensive midfielders or lack of defensive midfielders that that tells you that you're going to concede shots from distance outside the box? You have to look at the stats, essentially. You have to dive into the stats and look at um, amount of shots conceded and then quality of shots conceded. Um, So um, you look at maybe the XG conceded expected goals conceded and then you can look at goalkeepers for save percentage as well and the amount of goals prevented um that's one of the stats you can look at for goalkeepers um, yeah. but but i would say that normally by this stage of the season kind of game week eight normally in the season's gone by players like martinez and pope had started to emerge from the 4.5 kind of um crowd and I don't think that's happened this season. This season, it's a bit harder to pick that player. There's a little bit of um, equality. No one's really rising above. You know, Reyes started the season quite well, um, but hasn't kind of kept going with that yet. And we're not totally sure that Brentford are going to be that team. Um even, you know, Sanchez has done what everyone predicted him to do, which is to get basically no save points, but pick up a decent amount of six-point clean sheets, um, which is why I've still got him, because Brighton's still uh, one of the top teams for um, the stats, for defensive stats, um, XG conceded. They just yeah. don't concede shots and they don't concede chances. And he's a 4.5 keeper, so... I'm happy to play it safe and not gamble on someone who might turn out to be the new Nick Pope or the new Martinez. 
whereas Sanchez just will do a decent amount and I don't have to worry about goalkeeper transfers. And your argument also seems to be set in the I'm not going to spend more than 4.5 million. Yeah. Well, the, the dream is that you get to pick from the start the player that's going to turn out to be the top scoring goalkeeper, but you only spent 1.5 less than, you know, a, a Mendy or a whoever, Edison. Yeah. But like you say, no, with none of them so far, sta- you know, hugely standing out, may- maybe it makes more sense to spend five. I, d- I just don't see the point of five. I see the point of Mendy, like Matt said, spending six, guaranteeing pretty much that you're going to get a Chelsea defensive asset and they're going to be an incredible defence all season and you get him for all those clean sheets and he's getting save points. It's pretty perfect. But 5.0, I just I don't see the difference between Saar or Rea or Sanchez or Gaeta. Like there, there's not enough of a points difference to make that 0.5 worth yeah. it for me. Well, so I like I said, I've got Ramsey so Ramsdale so far, and I'm I'm uh, fairly happy with that. I've just looked uh, looking at the points right now. So he's already on uh, 24 points, and he hasn't played this week yet. Um, the top keepers are getting you know about 30. The top 4.5 goalkeeper at the moment. 28 points, McCarthy at Southampton. So, yeah, I'd say at the moment, Ramsdale is looking like the standout pick. Um, he, he didn't points, play the first few game weeks, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Points, points yeah. per game for a player who's played more than one game. Uh, he's top on six points per game he's averaging at the moment. Uh, and that's better than Mendy at 5.6 points per game. So at the moment, Ramsdale's the best keeper to have. Uh, the question mark, of course, is... Is Leno's quite a decent second choice at the moment? So, will he keep his place all season? And and if especially if you're saving extra money with your second choice, who's maybe not a, a playing goalkeeper, then um, there's a risk that you might get get no starters um, if Ramsdale gets dropped or rotated at all. There's also with Ramsdale that this is the period of good fixtures for Arsenal. Yeah. What happens to the Arsenal defence when they get tough fixtures? Does he still get the save points? Um, does he still get bonus things like that? Yeah, but he's a decent bet at the moment for sure. Um, okay, yeah. so okay, so uh, just to end off this conversation, your top two picks for goalkeepers. I'd say Ramsdale's one of them for me, and I feel like when we do our preseason predictions, like we did this season, <laughs> I quite, I quite usually pick a Burnley player for each position. I have history of this. I feel like I pick a player that's probably not going to be the top point scorer, but is going to get like an okay number, an average number of points. They're not going to fuck up totally. They're going to do all right. So I think Sanchez is that player for me. So I think Sanchez and Ramsdale, the safe pick, and maybe the one that could actually end up being the top scorer. All right. Yeah. I'd say if you're doing a goalkeeper transfer right now, then then Ray is not a bad shout because there's good fixtures on their way and he did start the season quite well for Brentford. So is he one of your two? Uh, yeah, him and Ramsdale. I think Ramsdale is a player I'm thinking of getting in for. I've currently got my uh, Watford's two goalkeepers uh, and uh, they are, well, they're on the back of an absolute spanking from Liverpool. So they look like they might take some time before they... Um, they they uh, adjust into a decent outfit. 
All right. Taken on board. Knowledge acquired. Thank you. What was your, your second newbie question, John? Um, uh, bonus points. That's what it was. So just uh, the, I'm not sure if even talking to people who are you know, quite knowledgeable of the game, how well they really understand bonus points. It seems like it's always a, a, a fairly vague answer you get talking to people about it. But um, Are you talking to other podcasters? No. <laughs> Are you moonlighting in different podcasts, John? <laughs> Little cameos here and there. Um, it's on the, F- um, the, the, the official FPL show next week. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, we don't have to talk too much about this one, but just... Uh, if I could predict picking goalkeepers is hard. The other thing that's that's hard is, is trying to take into account bonus points. And I've got some idea, but um, you know, I, th- I, th- I think it feels like everybody's got a fairly approximate answer to how they account for bonus points with how they make their their decision. So you so, you, so the question is how are bonus points calculated? Y- yeah. Okay. Matt, do you want to go first and then I'll... Yeah, sure. So it's... uh, Well, it used to be back in the day based upon like a fan or someone in the stadium saying who they thought the best three players were, which I preferred because uh, you you picked up on who the personal favourites that people had were. So you could basically say that guy's just going to get bonus points because everyone... everyone, He he looks good on the pitch and so fans in the stands always pick him. But they moved away from that to a more scientific approach of um, like an algorithm where you obviously you get you get the players get points for clean sheets, scoring goals, assists, uh, but they also pick up what's called baseline bonus points for their like passing accuracy uh, and like uh, chances created, uh, also not missing loads of chances, uh, tackles made, headers won, clearances uh, achieved, minus and points that, for yellow cards. Yeah, minus points for yellow cards uh, and, and conceding penalties. Uh, and and that usually means that you do get certain players that have what's called a good baseline bonus point potential. Um, uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is, is, is one like this, where he his style of play is he likes to make loads of tackles uh, and he, he sort of... He, he often gets himself what looks like really bad situations because he's got himself stuck one-on-one against a tricky winger. But actually, he just backs himself to get that foot in and get, make a really clean tackle, which is great for bonus baseline bonus points. So when, we, when Manu ever get a clean sheet, often he's the one who racks up the bonus points because he's uh, got more bonus points than the others. Uh, he's got more, more of those bonus points. Uh, yeah. The bonus points. Kind of, you, kind of you think the algorithm is kind of an if-then type of type of calculation? That if Manu get a clean sheet, then one Bissaka's tackles start counting for something? Uh, well, yeah, because there's this huge... Uh, yeah, you get a huge number of bonus points for if they do something of note in the game, like keep the clean sheet or score the goal. So, uh, like Firmino scoring a hat-trick basically means that no one else is going to get those three bonus points other than Firmino because you just get, it doesn't matter how accurate you pass the ball, scoring three goals is more important than that. Mm-hmm. And also, there's also things like scoring the winning goal counts more than just scoring a goal. Um, also, like players like Jimenez this season, 
although he hasn't scored a huge amount, he's creating a huge number of chances. So if he gets an assist in the game and someone else gets an assist, he's more likely to get two or three bonus points because of the amount of chances he's created. Those chances haven't created a goal, but those stats mean that his baseline bonus is going to be higher than other people. Yeah. But is it also because, okay, so if we've got a situation where defenders who play well get the bonus points if there's a clean sheet, attackers who play well get the bonus points if they score or assist or, you know, that kind of thing. So does that mean that your defensive midfielder never is, you know, they're screwed in a lot of ways in this game. Yeah. Uh, not, not getting praise for big performances, but they're also losing out in that regard too on bonus points. There's nothing in the game that's set up on FPL for defensive midfielders, unless they take free kicks or penalties or anything like that to actually score any decent number of points. That's why they're the 4.5 third sub on the bench. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah. basically they've got, to, they've got to score a goal before they, they're going to have a chance of getting some bonus points and defensive midfielders don't often do that. That's other games. I think maybe Sky, I've never played it, but other fancy games take into account tackles and stuff like that for defensive midfielders and passes, but FPL doesn't so much. Got it. Sorted. Educated. Thank you. Yeah, from our slightly limited knowledge. knowledge. It's not that we can actually predict it, though. Um, but there you go. Um, Matt, do you want to talk us through how things are going in the Listener League so far this week? Yeah, sure. Uh, he says, clicking on the button to load it up. So, uh, is this our favourite team name? Definitely. Um, it's my, it's my favourite. It's my favourite. We've got a few good puns in our league. Uh, and Min- but... Minty Vomit is also, you know, up there. My yeah. Personal. I mean, I think both both the top two. So we've got My Little Tony is uh, currently top. He's got 74 points uh, so far this week. Uh, but he's closely followed by Edu Bute, which I think is quite a quite a good one for the ages. Uh, so he's he's got himself 53 points. Uh, and then have so that's that's uh, Kit Kit Doodle uh, and Nathan Co- Cox is uh, my little Tony. Then Havertz a bit of that. Uh, Finton Hogan is in third place, uh, and then Dave G with Go Bear or Go Home in fourth, and then Stenhaug United, uh, Darginger Stenhaug uh, is uh, there in fifth. Um, so looking pretty good. Um, that hasn't changed, I don't think. This oh no, it has changed. We've got my little Tony's just. Um, gone up to the top of the league uh, so that's that's looking good as a top five um you have to go quite far down before you get to one of us though don't you uh which i think scrolling 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 uh where hey, are you Duncan? I'm, I'm in number i'm in 31st i've 31st. Moved, up, moved up to 31st how dare you that's not bad there we go 31st for an actual podder in our current league at the moment and duncan well done you yeah, you're doing us proud there. Um, <laughs> hey, um, my little Tony played his, uh, Nathan Cox played his wildcard this week and he has gone for the Lukaku Vardy Salah axis. So, you, you know, great things can be achieved, Matt, if you get rid of Ronaldo. Well, he's so far our top point scorer for the whole week. Um, so, yeah, doing really well. Um, I mean, having Chilwell didn't, didn't hurt, did it? I mean, we all... 
well, we all, I mainly was highly critical of Andy last week, but it's, it's worked out for him as well. Well, I mean, yeah. And last week I talked about Huang uh, and he's got him in. Uh, and this week I've talked about Vardy and he predicted I'd do that and he's got him in. So, um, do you think you've had an influence on this team, Matt? I, I, I'd <laughs> like to think that, that in some ways I'm winning our Podders League. <laughs> I wonder if the My Little Tony guy knows how to even pronounce Mbwemo properly because uh, he, he seems no. like he really knows what he's doing. No, and, <laughs> Matt is uh, the pronunciation king on this podcast. Yeah. I will not hear that. <laughs> but, inter- but interestingly, he hasn't gone for Tony, despite the name. He's gone for Mbombo. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. Anyway, um, thank you for that, Matt, and congratulations to Nathan. I, I seems pretty likely he's going to stay top of the league with a score like that, but we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Um, if you would like to take us on, then the code to join the league is PD PD79YQ. Um, and you're very welcome to join us. Um, if you don't follow us already on Twitter, give us a follow at FPL FF Fanatics. And if you like the show, please rate and review us wherever you listen to us. We'd really appreciate that as well. Just leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Matt. Cheers. Come on, Vardy. And uh, yeah, come on, come on the big hitters, right? Rather than this stupid big at the back uh, tactic. And thank you, John, for your insight. Thank you, and thank you for educating me this week. (laughs) You're very welcome. Speak to you guys soon.